I am a fermentation maniac. I sit there at night and think about my starter bubbling away, and I just, there's something magic that happens between the ingredients going together and my hands getting involved, and we call it the conversation with the dough. Like, every time I'm not talking to the dough, I'm wondering why I'm not. You experience that, and then you see how the product enriches people's lives. What inspires me is fermenting bread and seeing what flavors and textures you can coax out of a powdery substance and water. You know, it's magic. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative trailblazers in our sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. On this episode of the Sourdough Podcast, Jeff McCarthy, owner and baker behind Bread Service, joins me from his home in Greensboro, North Carolina. Jeff tells us how his former career as a professional pastry chef and restaurant consultant uniquely prepared him for his role as cottage baker. He shares his original sourdough inspiration and his ultimate vision to change bread in his city and empower cottage bakers around the country. Before we start the interview, I just wanted to send everyone out there listening a heartfelt word of encouragement. Most of you, I imagine, across the country and globe, like myself, are experiencing the growing threat of the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of you are isolated at home, facing job loss, or are fearful for the health of friends and family members. While I don't know the duration of this challenging time of quarantine and social distancing, what I do know is that our community of sourdough bakers are specially equipped to be a point of light in this time of darkness. I am so inspired by all of you out there sharing recipes, flour, and bread with your neighbors many of whom are trying sourdough baking for the first time as a way to stay busy and engaged with family while at home practicing social distancing or suddenly finding yourself working from home with kids who aren't in school. What an amazing opportunity we have right now to share the love and comfort something like homemade bread can provide. So I encourage you all to keep baking. Don't be concerned with the quality of the flour that you found in an empty bread aisle. Bake with the flour you have and share the bread you bake, of course in the safest ways possible. We are all in this together, and together I know we can uplift our communities with the recipes we teach, or the bread that we bake, and the starter we share. So please be safe out there, stay home, and stay healthy. As always, stay tuned after the interview to hear new music from Weston Perry. This week's episode features his latest track, Let's Be Friends. You can find Weston's music online at westonperrymusic.com or wherever you download music. And now, my interview with Jeff McCarthy. My guest today is Jeff McCarthy. Jeff is the owner and baker behind Bread Service, a cottage bakery he operates from his home in Greensboro, North Carolina. Jeff is a stay-at-home dad as well as a veteran of the restaurant industry and former pastry chef. Jeff has only been baking sourdough for a few years and established bread service in 2018. In addition to serving his local neighborhood and farmer's market, Jeff has a reputation in the sourdough community for his generosity and the sharing of his bread knowledge. And he's here today with 
me to talk on his birthday of all days um, about his sourdough journey. So, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, absolutely. I'm so honored to be here. I can't believe I'm, this This puts me in the room with, with people like Bonnie and Don Guerra and like all the people I discovered on your podcast, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I thinking about it, I've been, yeah, you, you were like one of the first people that was like commenting back and just uh, giving me some really good feedback. And I think I, I even shared maybe one of your comments on my website and I was like, wow, yeah. kind of come I, full I circle. Basically in one in one go because I was traveling up to my folks who live in New York. It's about a ten hour drive, and I listened to almost all of it. And I got to it was like it's something like Bonnie and Don Guerra and then Jim Challenger all in a row. <laughs> I had to like pull over and just I have this very vivid memory of sitting there at a rest stop and Weston Perry's playing in the background, <laughs> and texting you like, "Oh my God, this podcast." And then, yeah, you shared the comment a few weeks later and just, and it just blew my mind. So, oh, that's thank awesome. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for putting this all together like this. It's really, really cool. I, I'm like, you know, air quotes, friends with Bonnie now because, you know, <laughs> through Instagram and everything. And Love it's just, it. It's really cool. So I know you're close with her, but it's, it's cool to be, you know, like going through the list of all the people that have been on the Sourdough podcast. And here I am. It's, it's humbling. So thanks a lot. Well, I'm, you know, I'm excited to have you on. I, I, you know, I invite people on who inspire me and have been part of my sourdough journey and influenced me. And, and so you, we've been, you know, passing comments back and forth and, and you've been, you know, encouraging me for a couple of years now at least. And so it's, it's an honor for me to get to talk with you in person. So, um, well, we didn't plan it this way, but today's your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. When you, you you threw out this date, I was like, sure, why not? I don't really I'm not that big into birthdays, uh, but my wife is huge into birthdays, so she makes it special. And uh, this is a gift. Again, being here is talking to you as a gift, so I'm stoked. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a bunch of really uh, nice comments and and uh, shout outs to you this morning. I think your your wife had something to do with that. Yeah, she's she's really good at that kind of stuff. She's a social media butterfly. <laughs> Well, speaking of getting old, uh, how, how's the knee recovery going? What can you catch us catch us up on? What's been going on there, and what what all happened? So, um, yeah, you know, long story short, I got an old an old knee injury. Uh, been a skateboarder, snowboarder, mountain biker my whole life, and uh, it all kind of caught up with me a few months ago. I, I was out playing with my daughter and slipped on some wet leaves and oh. uh, just, just kind of tore it the wrong way. And it became intolerable. And uh, I looked around in my life and realized that if I'm, I'm going to do it, this is the time to do it. Um, because my son is at a point now where like he needs to wrestle and I, and I need to win, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to make sure that I could uh, hang with them and not get injured and have them think it was their fall, you know? Yeah. So uh, it was a good time, time as far as life. And then a good time as far as um, the business goes, you know, a big, a big part of my business is farmer's markets. And this is, you know, the least desirable time of year to be standing outside and freezing your buns off and, and cold bread doesn't sell as well. And, and in, the new, in the new year, people are like, Oh, I'm watching the carbs and all that nonsense. So, <laughs> It was a good time to take a few months off. Yeah. Um, but the, the most challenging part is 
uh, since you follow along, you know that I, I had just moved into a new space. We moved into a new house. And when we were shopping for houses, it was with the intention of building out a cottage bakery inside it. And the place that we found not only had the perfect room, you know, where it was in the house and, and everything, but uh, the size and then the location in our city was just perfect. And all of these things were lining up. And when I ended up injuring myself, uh, was literally, it was like two weeks after we moved into the house. Oh. I just started like, I picked up a wholesale account and was really just starting to, uh, to, to, to open it up, put my son in another day of, of daycare, which, you know, you're a dad, you know, like the entire world evolves around, you know, where they're at in their day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was the timing of that was kind of poor, but um, thanks to uh, Instagram and and uh, social media and you know now this podcast, uh, I've been able to maintain a good momentum, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, with everything that goes on in the world, you know, a month of you know sourdough bread in Greensboro is kind of a drop in the bucket. So, but from the outside looking in, it's been agonizing. Oh my god, <laughs> making all this beautiful bread, and and I'm here like you know, one, one or two loafing it and, and having to take a nap afterwards. Oh it's, yeah. It's worked, you know, just, so it's been, it's been good and it's been bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you've been able to take that time. And I mean, cottage baking, stay at home, dad. I mean, neither of those are like uh, low physical <laughs> uh, activities, you know, you need your, your whole body working and, and uh, so it's, it's good that you're on the mend and, and going to be, back here when are you hoping to be baking again so i'm hoping uh to be baking for subscribers again uh here in the next few weeks um i i thought i was going to be up for it this week and then i gave my wife a break on the weekend and i did like a full you know dad shift in the morning with both the kids and by the time she had got downstairs from sleeping in i was sobbing and covering oh, and like <laughs> I had, earlier I had cleaned up also the dog's vomit and it was just like this horrific morning. Oh geez. And I was like, babe, I'm not ready for this. So we pushed out another week. And um, now that everything that's going on with the, the virus and everything, I'm just trying to be really smart about, uh, you know, making food and distributing it to people. And so the simple answer is uh, back at farmer's markets is a big question mark right yeah. now. I'm hoping in April, definitely. Um, but as far as baking for my my beloved subscribers that keep this thing going, I'm hoping by the end of next week, people can start picking up bread again. And uh, that's really what drives the business, you know. Well, I hope uh, I hope you have a, a speedy recovery, Jeff. And it keeps, you know, you keep, I keep saying you're getting a little more mobile, a little more mobile. So I hope everything continues to to go well with your Thanks. recovery. And I'm excited to see your uh, your bread start back up again. But uh, let's let's get back into the the interview, and, and and maybe you could start us off by telling us about your background uh, prior to bread service and and getting into sourdough. Sure. Um, well, as far as cooking and baking and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of all I know. I, um, I don't come from a a restaurant or or cooking family, so to speak. I know that's a question you like to ask my family. Uh, you know, our, our, 
we were relatively poor growing up. You know, I, I didn't know about good food until uh, I got into high school and got into cooking. But we, I grew up on government government subsidy peanut butter, and and uh, I remember when my family got a bread machine, and that was like my first yeah uh, interaction with you know real bread, so to speak, or homemade uh-huh. bread. And I can still remember that it's a very distinct smell, totally. and there were these weird like like uh, cylinder loaves that came out of it. But I didn't know, you know, really about about bread and stuff until um, when I was in high school. I um, I had the opportunity to visit a vocational school that offered, you know, culinary arts and uh, automotive technology, and you could learn uh, cosmetology and all of these different vocations. And it appealed to me because I knew I wasn't really an academic type. I wasn't very. Uh, I thought I was smarter than everyone else when I was in high school, <laughs> high school kids, and I, it was hard for me to sit still in class. So I thought um, getting a getting a job or at least having a skill uh, that I could use uh, once I got once I graduated it seems seemed like a smart move to me. Um, and then when I visited the school, the culinary arts program, it just it really piqued my interest. You know, mm. there there was. Uh, there was a camaraderie to it that I think people who are in the sports, like that's what they, they get off on that. Like as soon as I was in a kitchen, I felt like I, I need to be in the kitchen, you know? And I think uh, a lot of kitchen lifers have that experience. And I've since learned that I'm a far better kitchen guy uh, than I am a chef, which is an important distinction. But um, what's, yeah, what's the distinction? Well, what I mean is, you know, to be a chef, you have a certain set of skills uh, where you, you can cook something very well, and that's important. You cook from your, your soul, and you, you create this dish, and et cetera, et cetera. A kitchen person is good at the mechanics of operating a kitchen and mm. kitchen logistics, and okay. like I'm far better at executing a, a, a banquet back of the house than I am cooking a banquet the house if that makes sense yeah 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 okay and i i i only uh know that because i've, I've had experience now you know working in kitchens and not cooking there's a lot of jobs when you get to to the professional level um that aren't cooking you know in the back of the house but um in that vocational program in high school there was a particular professor a baking professor this guy chef blaine everything that came out of his mouth was like a, was like a, like a saying, you know, he would say, you can't kill a crepe, you know, and things like that. And it, it just, it really, his personality for some reason clicked with me and I ended up, he ended up becoming a mentor to me and getting me into my first professional baking job, which was at a place called Mohawk Mountain House in upstate New York. And that's where my professional pastry chef trajectory started. Uh, how old are you? Still so high school, I was, right? I was still in high school, yeah. So, yeah, I think that I got my my first job there, which is like, they call it like Benchman or something, where it's like, you know, bitch, basically. Um, <laughs> and you like do all the scaling uh-huh. uh, with the, you know, you're the low man on the totem pole when the extern from the Culinary Institute was like, your boss in the bakery, you know, um, <laughs> which is where I was at when I started. Uh-huh. But it was a really progressive house. They had a, a culinary team that competed down in New York City every year. Uh-huh. I got involved in that. I was uh, really in the 
doing pulled sugar centerpieces and chocolate pieces and all this, this crazy stuff, which is kind of professionally speaking is kind of passe nowadays. But, um, I didn't really, any bread that I had to do was always yeast, yeast mm -hmm. breads and was always like, I had to do it. Like it wasn't like my focus of mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, the baker didn't come in. I have to bake all tonight's bread, you know? And that's how I learned. Wow. I mean, what, I mean, what an amazing opportunity that sounds like it was to be like so young, still in high school, find something that you were like passionate about and like resonated something that resonated with you, called to you. Like, Absolutely. I don't think that's the, the, the trend or the commonality in most people or, uh, Absolutely. most people like myself, you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm 37, 38. Don't, I still don't know like sure. what I want to do when I grow up, but uh, yeah, that's that's a super unique um, situation you found yourself in. It sounds like yeah, thanks. And I do feel I feel lucky. I'm grateful that, that I am in that situation because you know I'm, I I don't really think about it a lot, but I have like an almost 30 year career in the business. You know, it's 20. I started when I was 15 and I'm 41 today. Jesus, I don't want to do that. Man. No. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, that's why I said 37, 38. I'm like, how old am I? Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a, uh, a diverse, a diverse career and I've done everything from, from, uh, well, I'll get into it. So I was at, I was at, uh, uh, the Mohawk mountain house and in the upstate New York and they had a sister property in Vail, Colorado called uh, the Swiss chalet and wow. an opportunity to go out there for a season Awesome. And so many ski bombs, you know, I ended up staying out there for 10 years and wow. started as a server and I ended up, I, I drove a handsome cab, you know, drove the horse drawn carriage around. I worked at a bed and breakfast. I did all of these jobs that were, were I could do them because I had the hustle of working in kitchens, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, it was you had a skill. Yeah, you had a yeah, skill. Yeah, it was easy for you to pick up translate. any kind of service industry job. And for a ski bomb, it was just heaven, you know. Yeah. It was really, really <laughs> cool. Um, but at, toward the end of that, uh, I started to get bored with not really having a uh, career trajectory, so to speak, because I did have one at such a young age mm -hmm. that I kind of looked around to see what was available in the pastry uh, arena and I came to find out that, like in any resort town, they are just chomping at the bit to find good people. And I remember when I interviewed, I walked in to get my resume, and the chef called the pastry chef on his day off. He's like, you need to come down here and interview this guy right now before he leaves the building. <laughs> I had a job before. Like, I went to drop my resume off, and I had a job before wow. I left the building. And it was just because I had any experience whatsoever. Uh -huh. And then within two seasons of working there, the pastry chef had kind of a epic catastrophic meltdown. And I ended up getting promoted basically to the pastry chef battlefield promotion, which I had absolutely <laughs> to be doing at 22 or whatever I was. Um, so I did that for six, eight months. And then they hired this guy, Tony, who became one of my, my greatest mentors and just taught me so much about the business and, and, uh, and uh, just being a, being a man, you know? Uh, but he said, he showed me that what I had was special. Yeah. What I was doing here, like I needed to, to kind of 
uh, start putting a little more effort into my my career. And, mm. and it's not every you know twenty year old kid that has ten years experience. Totally. Yeah. And is, you know, pretty good at it. So anyway, um, he uh, when I, I ended up, I'm trying to think how I left there. Oh, I, I met my first wife there in Vail. Um, she was uh, an architect, and she and I moved up to Portland, Oregon, where I putzed around for a while, did various jobs, ended up uh, working in fine dining again in pastry, and then deciding, oh, wait, yeah, I love this, and um, started working my way towards uh, fine, you know, fine dining pastry chef at the highest level I could in that city, yeah. and um, I enjoyed a really good career there. I, I hooked up kind of early on in a really uh, a, a, an up-and-coming restaurant with a really good chef named Jack Yoss, who now is, is with the Uchi uh, Empire down in Texas. And he hired me as my first, you know, I'm the pastry chef, executive pastry chef job. Wow. And early on in there, I got hooked up with uh, one of the food writers in the city that really liked my desserts and just kind of, uh, oh, I was blogging a lot at the time. Remember blogging? Okay. So yeah. I was doing <laughs> <We'll get> resurrect <laughs> this blog, go find it somewhere. Yeah. It's all Mr. Jeff McCarthy.com. It's still out there somewhere, I think. Uh, but it, um, at the time there wasn't a lot of people that were kind of putting themselves out there like professionally, like, uh, in a, like this is what it's like in the back of the house in the kitchen. And, uh, I think, uh, that blog kind of, kind of helped me uh, find my voice, so to speak, in social media before social media was yeah, uh-huh. it is today. So I'm glad, I'm grateful that I had that uh, to do. It was a lot, a lot of uh, writing and, and learning about myself. And it was cool to kind of vet a recipe or something and then write about it. And it became this kind of incubation for a lot of what I did. Cool. But um, that restaurant in 2008, uh, during the economic crisis, uh, it shut down. Mm-hmm. I was jobless and listless for six, eight months, and completely randomly, uh, this job came across my my radar uh, running a, a, a culinary incubator. It's a place called Kitchen Crew, and a beautiful, brand new million dollar kitchen. Wow. Uh, when I walked down there to check it out, just like, Hey, I want to meet this guy that's opening it. Uh, a gentleman named Michael Madigan. He, um, within 10 minutes of meeting this guy and seeing this kitchen, I was like, I, I want to work here. I want to know like what this place is and, and, uh, and how to, how to be involved. And I ended up working there for six years. And in that time, I got to see so many different food-based businesses from their sometimes conception all the way through, we call it graduating out into the marketplace. Mm. And it was a, a really unique environment for me because my job was to, yeah, I maintained the kitchen and made sure the garbage was out and all that kind of stuff. But I was basically an on-site consultant for people that like, you know, they'd been making their own salsa at home for, for whatever years and they uh they've never been in a professional kitchen situation like hmm. have you ever seen a robocoop and like show them how to use you know stuff huh. like that wow. and it was cool to to help people streamline their business and 
it's really it's interesting to kind of hear obviously all this in context of how i know you as a a, cottage baker and and putting all these pieces together and seeing how they kind of fit into that right business you've you've created and it uniquely prepared me for the cottage bakery situation um because i was so over prepared to do it that like I'm like kind of friends with the inspection lady now because she's so like she looked at this space and she was like, yeah, you're good. You know, like, <laughs> but it was um, the, that that experience has made uh, getting a cottage bakery off the ground. Uh, a lot of the challenging aspects of it a lot easier, you know, because I didn't have to learn about food safety and mm-hmm. uh, how to set up a bakery and all of that, you know, I kind of had, had done that a few times. Um, but before I get off too far off the topic of kitchen crew, yeah. um, I need to, to point out that one of the, the things that sold me on working there was the, the owner, Michael, he pitched to me that we were going to start incubating our own businesses out of the space. And one of the most successful, if not the most successful, it is the most successful is a company called Bowery Bagels, a bagel company. Okay. And it's still operating in, in Portland. Um, they have a, a, a very large production facility that supplies, they have a couple of co-branded uh, products with a grocery store out there and um, they're in tons of cafes and et cetera, et cetera. But when I, when we launched the business, it was like 12 bagels. And my boss was like, this is my bagel recipe. Make it go for a million basically. And I, wow. <laughs> at a certain point and then we hired we hired on a, on a real bread baker uh, my buddy Kathy who took it to kind of where it is today but um that was my first real bread focused I think uh you know it wasn't it was the first time that I was working with bread where it wasn't in the background it wasn't something that I had to do it was my focus and it was really fun because I knew growing up in upstate New York, I knew what a real bagel was. Mm. I, more, I guess it's better to say I knew what a real bagel isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, developing that was really was a really fun project, and um, it helped me realize once I started to figure out what I what I wanted to do for myself, um, kind of really what size I was going to be, um, what, um, focus I was going to be because when I left Bowery Bagels, I think, I mean, they were upwards to 30 employees and, you know, I did a lot of people managing. I did no baking whatsoever. And I've realized, um, how important it is to have my hands in dough Mm -hmm. every time I work. Um, and, how in so doing um, I'm not only feeding people that are eating it, but I'm feeding my, my own soul and yeah. then feeding my family uh, with the, with the little bit of money we, we make off of it. But it's, it's was so important to me after being at that level and having all this food service experience, like I really could kind of pick and choose what I wanted bread service to be and what I didn't want it to be. Yeah. And, uh, I could very resolutely say no to a lot of things 
in the beginning, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of uh, people that are getting started have a, have a hard time with. They're like, "Oh my god, people want my stuff." Yeah, that's so, that's something we've talked about a few yeah. on a few occasions here with with beginners. Uh, in it's like, oh yes, industry. I do make hot dog buns. Or <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, they're making hot dog buns and nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been lucky in Greensboro. We hit the timing right with our company that there wasn't there wasn't a bread bakery doing any kind of long fermented whole grain, anything for probably five years, maybe or more. And their closest place was in, uh, is in Winston Salem, which is 40 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I, we decided to launch bread service, um, which I can get into, you know, more of the details about, of course, um, it was, it was really easy because people, or, you know, you know, people are fanatical about good bread. Yeah. And if you put it out there, people are going to find their way to you. Totally. And um, I guess I should talk about how bread service. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the the connector I want to make here is, you know, go from uh, food industry experience, like major production kitchen. uh, And now you uh, connect the dots here. How, How did you go from from that scale to stay-at-home dad, cottage baker, what were, what were the uh, decisions or life events that kind of brought you to where you are now? Well, the main thing was my daughter came along. Yeah. And when Mabel was born, um, you know, you're a dad. You know, you've got two beautiful kids. This How old are your, your kids now? Mabel is going to be five in a few weeks, and Milo is going to be two in July. Okay. So they're a really, a really fun age. But yeah, Mabel's had me wrapped around her finger since day one. And <laughs> when she was born, um, I was working. I'm trying to think where I was working. I was still a kitchen crew, but kind of realizing that I needed to make a change. Um, and it had a lot to do with her being born and mm-hmm. me realizing that I wasn't, I was just kind of floating along there, kitchen crew, not really moving forward. Uh, I kind of had managed myself out of uh, relevance and um, same with the bagel company. And uh, I was working part-time in pastry at a small restaurant, uh, a friend of ours actually that we got married at. So I was still kind of producing and be able to be creative. But um, what got, what really was the shift towards bread service was, and I've heard a lot of people say this on your podcast, uh, Ingrid and I watched the cooked documentary with Michael <laughs> Pollan. And one of the lines that he says in that, in the bread episode is, um, I wanted at the end of this experience to be able to pull off a really good loaf of bread at home. And I thought to myself, here I am, you know, <laughs> experience and I can't, I can't pull that off. Like, I don't know the first thing about creating a sourdough culture. And if I really think about it, I'm actually kind of intimidated by the prospect of it. So uh, I was a part-time stay-at-home dad at the time, and uh, sourdough bread baking is the perfect stay-at-home dad hobby. You know, you <laughs> mess with it a little bit, and then you go and you mess with the kids a little bit, yeah, and yeah, a little bit, and it's very calm, and you know the baby can poke it. It's just it's the perfect stay-at-home dad hobby. The issue with it, as you know, is you know one loaf is never enough. <laughs> and, uh, when you're making two and four and six. And for me, someone that already had a 
production background, I started to look around uh, my kitchen and, and I'm still in Portland, Oregon at this time. And like, how can I, what can I fit in here? How many can I fit in here? Uh-huh. Um, and right around oven or what were you baking with at the time? I just had a regular uh, home size oven and I was baking in two, uh, you know, Le Creuset Dutch ovens. I hadn't got into the combo cookers yet, Okay. but I was, um, you know, still very much figuring out how to bake sourdough bread and probably getting one in five that I was happy with. Um, and then the big life event that happened uh, was a colleague of mine called me up and offered me a pastry chef gig at this really exciting high profile uh, pro- hotel property in downtown Portland uh, called the Heathman. And uh, I couldn't pass it up. It was basically the job that I had been working, you know, 25 years for. Uh, so I, I took the job and um, there was, there's a lot that I could say about it. We could probably do a whole podcast about that job, but the takeaway is uh, I got let go. And the reason being that, you know, years later now I can say was um, I didn't give them what they needed in the end uh, because I was, a different person mm. than I thought I was, you know, like I really thought I was the guy that could, you know, work 70 hours and then mm-hmm. come home and, and bring it for the kids and the mm. wife. And no, I work 70 hours and chuck two beers and take two and one, two Tylenol PMs and go to sleep, you know, and do it uh-huh. all again. And it was, it was a vicious cycle. And in, in the end getting let go was, one of the best things that ever happened to me because it was a catalyst for us kind of looking at our lives and saying, you know what, we're not super happy here anyway. We've got nothing holding us down. Um, so we, we ended up, you know, kind of pulling up ties and moving cross country. And we ended up in Greensboro, North Carolina, where is where uh, my wife grew up. Her mom is here. Um, we kind of crash landed at her place, which. Wow. That's a big move. I mean, that's like cross country. It was different culture. Oh man. Oh man. Just, yeah. You said it. Speed of life probably or. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, this is where um, bread and sourdough particularly really started to become very, very important to me because um, a joke, you know, at the time Gary was my only friend. (laughs) he, uh, He and I made some really great bread together during that time. But I started to to realize that professionally speaking, I was kind of broken and I didn't see how I was going to fit back into, you know, I had kind of this esoteric kind of trajectory and I knew that the skills that I had weren't going to really plug in mm-hmm. specifically to any job. So... I mean, at this moment, it sounds like you're still undecided about the stay-at-home dad full-time or getting back into the food industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's that's exactly it. I didn't really, you know, my wife is very supportive and she just wanted me to be doing something and be happy, you know. Mm -hmm. We were lucky to have crash landed at my mother-in-law's place and it wasn't like I had to get a job next week to put food on the table. So I really had the time to think about it, and, mm. and uh, that, I'm really grateful for that that time period. 
But the reason that bread service kind of started as a brand was because Instagram, as you know, is a really fun place for yeah. people to bake bread and, and like to talk about bread and get excited <laughs> about bread. And I didn't really, like, I wanted to start kind of a bread account and kind of track my journey with getting better at baking bread and have a, a recognizable um, kind of platform to communicate pe with people like Adam and Trevor. Well, like, which, uh, let me just say real fast, you know, you you're a you're a bread guy or you're a you know you came from a baking background so maybe that wasn't a as big of a uh, leap to to start a bread account but i think for, yeah, yeah. for as non-bakers we're like wait this is like super dorky am i really doing this am i really starting a bread account i remember thinking that i'm like oh this is uh, kind of a big step here <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah. you were ready for it you're excited sure, about it <laughs> sure. and if you look at my if you look at my personal feed that i don't really use that much anymore but if you go back it's like pictures of kids and plates of food, you know, uh -huh, that's uh -huh. all I think about is really is kids and food. But, um, yeah, I was, I, so I started the, the account and I was tracking how, uh, I was doing, I was making my progress with, with sourdough. And I remember da downloading, uh, Trevor J. Wilson's, uh, the open crumb mastery. Yeah. And it just, it really opened things up for me. That's when my bread really started to level up and he put things into a context that, you know, that book's not for beginners. Hmm. And I, I needed a book that wasn't for beginners. And that, that book really helped me take my bread to the next level. And once that happened, I was, I couldn't make enough. Hmm. And the problem was I didn't have any friends. I didn't like, I didn't literally had nothing to do with it. So Ingrid basically said, you need to make it go. Like just <laughs> get out there. And we started to uh, we awesome. put it up on uh, Nextdoor. The, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was funny. I, I put a few pictures and I said, sourdough bread, handmade, whole grains, blah, blah, blah. And within 15 minutes, someone was knocking on my door. Get out. Sourdough bread is. Yeah, this That's woman, cool. Misha, and she still occasionally buys bread for me. But she was like so into it. She told all of her friends. And it was like, it was like wildfire after that. I mean, we, we went and checked out a farmer's market. I brought um, a loaf of bread to uh, Kathy, who runs our farmer's market, the corner farmer's market. And I'll never forget this. She took the, was, I think, like a 650-gram bowl, and she took it. She bit into it like an apple. <laughs> We're going to be friends. <laughs> I think so. Since then, she she's just helped us get our business to where it's at. And, That's cool. Um, we've helped the farmer's market kind of level up their, um, their food side of the business. Um, because we bread service has such a, a fanatical following. Um, when we're there at the farmer's market, the, the farmer's market's very busy and there's a line and there's, you know, like that didn't happen before us. And I'm proud to say that we helped this farmer's market kind of become the farmer's market, there's two big farmer's markets in Greensboro, okay? Uh -huh. and when I tell people like, oh, I work in the farmer's market, they always go to the wrong one, you know? Got it. Because nice. we've kind of come up together, mm. you know, it, it's nice to, like, I'm really, really proud of that fact that um, people know about that. It's like, we're, we're the other market now. Anyway, mm -hmm. you can edit that part out probably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's, that's really cool. I, you know, the, uh, the whole next door, uh, 
strategy is something I've talked about. Uh, I know Lisa Clayton, uh, Sourdough Nouveau, and uh, Beach Cottage Bakery uh, Baker uh, use a similar strategy when trying to get her cottage baker off the bakery off the ground. Uh, you, got, you guys just inspired me to do that a couple of days ago. Um, I haven't it's done too much with it yet, but it's good when you're just getting started and you're small, because especially when people can walk over to your house, if you have a good neighborhood, um, what I realized pretty quickly with it though, was <clears throat> there are better interfaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Instagram is easier to sell bread for me on than, yeah. than or, and then it just became one more thing that I had to check. And I just, once yeah. I got to be a certain size and have a certain amount of clients, I just, I put a message up on there like, Hey, if you're looking for bread, this is where to find me. Yeah. And every few months, uh, when I'm feeling slow, I post that again on next door. You know? uh-huh. um, yeah, no, it's a great tool to just, you know, if you're like you are, were at the moment and I am actually, you know, i am just been in this community for about a year now. That's uh, mm-hmm. a great way to get your, you know, connect with neighbors in your immediate sure. neighborhood and, right. uh, Get the ball roll on there. Um, tell me about your your licensing pro, uh, process with with sure. your county, with because because that's again that's different from state to state, county to county. Um, and just hearing you talk about you know using Nextdoor made me think. Well, you know, in my city, you know, depending on even your residential zoning or commercial zoning, you might not even be able. Uh, be allowed to have people come to your house to pick up. Right. So tell me, tell me how did that go for you? Was it a simple process or what was that like? So in North Carolina, um, there's a couple things going on. It's for the, for the cottage bakery level, it's, it's kind of wild, wild west, to be honest. Mm. Um, there, the health department in general is, and this happens in every state is extremely understaffed. You know, they, uh, the one lady at a rally, she does the whole state and she, wow. yeah, it's, it's pretty well, it's her and one other gal, but, um, they want to make sure that you're not going to get anybody sick. And, um, most of the places they walk into, um, it seems to be from the people that I've talked to, what's, let me back up. The real challenge for food businesses in, in North Carolina is at the restaurant and the, the professional mm-hmm. Um, and that's when they really started to get on your case, but it's like, you know, no pets and, you know, make sure that all of your stuff is separate from everything else in the house. Um, I actually only recently when we moved into this space found out that you can't have it in an offsite building. Like if you wanted to have it in a garage or an outbuilding mm-hmm. okay. on your property, that is not legal. And, Thankfully, uh, we had bought this place because we were looking at houses with that in mind mm. to kind of have an off-site. So I'm glad that we didn't buy a place that had that. But um, yeah, otherwise, it's pretty similar to – I think it's a lot easier than other states have it. Yeah. Uh, California, from what I've heard, after talking to Justin and some other guys out there, it's probably the hardest, one mm. of the hardest yeah. to get it. different kinds of licenses. Here, literally – they don't even give you a license. They say that they have found no objectionable conditions. Uh, yeah, I saw that post. Yeah, and they check that box, and the the city of Greensboro, in turn, doesn't even require a, a business license, which I found really interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, 
when I found that out is what it encouraged wow. me to kind of skip the county altogether and go straight to the state because uh, the county level sometimes, um, well, actually, that's not, now that I'm saying that out loud, uh, in this state, the cottage bakery is Department of Ag, so you wouldn't go to the county anyway. And, okay. You know, it's just, it's different in every yeah. where you are. Um, but I think uh, because of the regulations here are, are relatively lax, and because of my professional background, um, it was re- it was pretty easy for me to, to set it up. And then when we at my mother in law's place, um, which is where Bread Service started, um, and then it was even easier in the new space because we have a dedicated room for it, and I don't have to flip this room to cook dinner every night mm-hmm. like I mother-in-laws and that has been just a boon uh and for anyone that's baking baking at the cottage bakery level knows what i'm talking about where like okay yeah this bread is fermenting but okay these kids are hungry (laughs) yeah yeah, well and that's one of the stipulations in my county or state i'm not sure which one but uh yeah you know no domestic activity happening at the same time right so, right. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I I hear you guys talk about your your unique situations, and I'm like, man, I would, I would die for a a wild west scenario out here because yeah. you know it's it's you know when it gets down to it, it's a lot of money you know for the the city business license and a county permit mm-hmm. and you know that's already in the three to four hundred dollar range here in California, and that wasn't even for a full year to operate. I found out after it was all said and done. Wow, it was kind of uh, disheartening. How many of bread is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the first calculation you run in your head, you know. And when you're only baking like twenty loaves over here, like uh, I am, it's like, wow, that's a lot of that's a few weeks of you know, right, right. back into it. Well, but, you know, you bring up you bring up an important uh, an important consideration for the cottage baker. Um, you don't really. And this isn't original to me. It's much harder to learn to earn a living as a cottage baker as it is to earn a very awesome lifestyle. And that is what I look at in my life as my take home is mm-hmm. that my work is in the next room. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah, I'm working a 15 hour day, my kids are right in the next room. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, crawling around my feet. And that is what I take, you know, that's payment to me. And um, you talk about all the, the expenses of it and stuff that, that add up, you know, that's what, that's why I sell the bread. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's, um, I think that's important for people to realize, you know, you don't, you don't get into this for the, for the money. You get into it for the definitely, lifestyle. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let, let's jump into some, uh, Listener questions. I got some. I got a handful of really good ones, and I think uh, you That's know. Such perhaps, a trip to me. <laughs> what's that? That's such a trip to me. <laughs> well, no, there's a lot of excitement when I when I posted that. So I l- let me ask you. Um, this one's from Jane's Baking Co. She says, you know, what's a normal week like for you? Um, talking about like types of orders you fulfill. Um, you know, direct to consumer versus wholesale. Um, and yeah, so yeah, t- tell us about, you know, a normal week briefly and, 
And how does you know, I'm where my I guess interest lies is is how does your your stay at home dad lifestyle uh, interweave into that? Okay, well, um, currently I sell at a farmers market on Saturdays. I have a, a bread subscription that's about two dozen people that picks up on Thursdays, and I have a wholesale account on Fridays that takes about a dozen loaves. And then for the farmer's market, um, I do about 70 um, loaves um, of the size of like, you know, like a bull or a batard. I do about 70 of those and I do a dozen pan breads, 18 baguettes, um, two dozen biscuits, as many sourdough cookies as I can make. and uh, I always do some kind of um, smaller format special, we call them little buddies. Um, so I ended up bringing about 120 or so pieces wow. to the market. Um, and what that translates is to uh, scheduling wise, so to speak, is Monday uh, I'm home with my son. Uh, Tuesday, both of the kids are in daycare and starting for the rest of the week. So Tuesday, I do my ordering and my running around. Uh, I have a, a mill right near me called Old Guilford Mill. That's really? uh, yeah, they're a, a historic. Um, the mill was like part of a battle in the Revolutionary War. It's really really cool. <laughs> wow. And they're super under the radar uh, because they can be, but they get um, they all their white flour for me. Uh, delivered through Lindley Mills. So I use Lindley Mills okay. uh, or out of North Carolina. North Carolina is a great place to get flour. We have a lot of grain uh, grown here and, and distributed through here. Um, so that's my Tuesday. I got, I got my running around. Um, I do all of my scaling on that day too. I think that's a great way to compartmentalize your mm-hmm. week um, because when you go to mix, you just jump right into it and you don't have to pull out all your ingredients. So I try to get that done as soon as I can in the week. Um, my days usually start at five and then I get the kids out the door, um, around eight and then I'm back, uh, back at it, you know, nine or so. And then, um, on Wednesdays, I have a big ferment for my, uh, my, uh, subscription, my subscription bake. And then that's when I do all the, the other prep, the biscuits and the, the cookies and that kind of stuff. And that ends up being a, you know eight or 10 hour shift. And then, um, Thursday, uh, I was talking, that's, that's Thursday. That's, that's probably my biggest production day. And then Friday I spend all day baking, you know, it's probably 12 hours at the mm-hmm. Rothko. And I use all, home- all out of that one Rothko behind you. I got one Rothko and I do use a home oven. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm in a, in a part of the production where I need to get something in the oven right away. I do use that home oven and I've occasionally even thrown some combo cookers in there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a snapshot of my, of my week. Um, and then I'm lucky now that the kids are in, in daycare, uh, that many hours that I can still, you know, um, how many, I'm sorry, can, yeah, how, how many hours or how many days are the kids in, I'm just, this, again, this yeah. is like me thinking about my, sure. you know, bakery and like, man, you know, what's, what, so they're, like, you know, they're in daycare from basically nine, to, nine to three, um, uh, two, 
to my daughter's Monday through Friday and my son's Tuesday through Friday. Okay. And then on Thursdays and Fridays, my wife has care arranged so that I can focus on bread service. So I don't have to do any, any dad responsibilities on Thursday or Friday. Um, what I do do where we have a kind of a setup now where, um, I do all the prep for dinner and when she gets home, she executes it. So <laughs> she has a professional cooking background as well, although she doesn't do it now. Um, it, it's a good setup for her because, um, it's just our dynamic, but yeah. I can't seem to do bread service and get dinner all the way out to the table, but man, I can cut up some vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, I, love, yeah. I love hearing how like partners and spouses like, are such an integral part of like cottage baking yeah. and like you so know much. motivation and in the encouragement and just maybe sometimes even the kick out the door to do it in the first place. Sure. And it sounds like cool. you have a very motivational, inspiring uh, wife. Absolutely. Well, Ingrid saw when I really started to get the sourdough bug and really she saw how it was checking so many boxes for me. She really did everything in her power to help me realize this business and because of our, our situation, you know, a lot of, and a lot of people that are listening will experience this. Like when you first start, it has, the, the business has to exist where other, where everything else isn't, you know? So you're doing a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, overnights and a lot of early mornings, but then you get to a certain point where that's just not sustainable. And, when I reached that point with Ingrid, she was like, okay, this is, you know, and we, we adjusted things and we basically what it amounted to was adding more daycare. Um, but she's been great. Yeah. For, for kind of encouraging, uh, the growth and seeing the potential. And then, um, thankfully she does all of the admin and everything too. Wow. That's incredible. Make sure the taxes are paid and, and, uh, all that good stuff. So, um, there wouldn't be, yeah, there wouldn't be bread service. There wouldn't be numerous cottage bakeries out there. <laughs> yeah. There wouldn't be the one you're about to launch. Oh, not at all. Not even close, for sure. It's easy to blow them up. Um, well, besides your wife and your family, um, question from La Vie and Loaf. It, you know, she wants to know uh, what inspires you, you know, like, uh, what gets you out the door? What gets you like, you know, putting so many hours into this, you know, when obviously you can just put all of that time and, and more so, you know, into just being a full-time stay-at-home parent, you know, like what's, what's getting you That's really in question. the morning to, to yeah, keep going? Um, it's really simple. I am a fermentation maniac. <laughs> I, I, s- sit there at night and think about my starter bubbling away. And I just, there's something magic that happens between the ingredients going together and my hands getting involved. And like that conversation, we call it the conversation with the dough. Like every time I'm not talking to the dough, I'm wondering why I'm not. (laughs) And I think once you, you experience that and then you see how the product enriches people's lives. It's impossible to opt into another system, Mm. you know? So what inspires me is, is fermenting bread and seeing what flavors and textures Mm. you can coax out of a powdery substance and water, 
you know, yeah. it's magic. It really is. It really is. Um, another question from Lopar Limpens. Is, oh, yeah. Love her. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's another one of those people that I'm always passing messages with. And she even like, uh, not vetted, but she like helped me with a, a recipe once and measured everything out in grams for me. But um, anyway, she asks, um, what's the bread service dream? You know, she says, Quote, are, are you living it? Is it, you know, smallish and cozy or would you love to go big or, or die trying, as she says? That's another good question. What I would like bread service to be is a varied production facility. And what I mean by that is I don't want to just, I want to have a full week of making bread and baked goods but I also want to help produce more bakers and I want to help hmm. move our bread movement forward, so to speak. Um, the first step in doing that is maximizing what I can put out of the space. And, you know, between my 70 or 80 loaves, I can fit uh, refrigerating. You know, I have two mixers now. I have, you know, all my equipment, like I haven't realized the maximum output of that. Hmm. Once I realized that, um, which will be over, you know, varied things like farmers markets and and whole, you know, wholesale accounts uh, and subscriptions. I think it's really important um, to have various revenue streams because you know the farmers market isn't always busy, and some parts of the year the subscribers they say, like, "Oh, we're going to take a few months off. It's bathing mm -hmm. season, and you know, stuff like that." So um, the, the other important facet of that is. I'm not doing the same thing for the same people every day, which I think is really cool. Um, but once I reach that capacity, uh, I want to start showing people how to do exactly what I'm doing. Like um, Peter Reinhardt, I saw Peter Reinhardt speak at Breadfest uh, last year, and he said something about his writing that really struck a chord with me. Every time he writes a book, he wants to add to the conversation. Mm. Um, I could probably write a sourdough book or I could probably write, you know, someone encouraged me to write a book about um, discard recipes because I guess like what I'm doing is creative with, with, uh, with a with discard. But what I think the conversation needs is more resources for guys like you and other at that level of like, there's no one place to go for mm. that information. Like totally. this open a cottage bakery. Yeah. Know? Well, cause it's, and it's just, I'm part of that challenge I think would be just cause it's evolving, you know, like in California, it's only, you know, been legal since 2013. Right. Right. And so it's just like, it's a ongoing conversation. Right. And for me, you know, it, it isn't a book. I always get kind of stuck in that idea because I like writing. What for me it is, is like the first stage of it is I'm going to invite every professional chef in my area that wants to learn how to make sourdough bread, like come, come make, make bread with me. And that's going to have a trickle down and make bread in my city better. You know, uh -huh. that's what I'm interested in uh, more so than, than uh, selling, you know, the most amount of bread that I can sell because I've, hmm. I've done the high production and I've had, I haven't owned my own bakery, but I've I've been partner in a bakery where it's as big as I'd ever want it to be. And it's just, it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think the the vision for, for bread service is to have 
the biggest, most productive, tiniest bakery ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's an awesome, awesome vision. And and just, yeah, being able to be a voice in your community and spreading the the bread gospel, if if you will, and and just connecting people with uh, a different idea of what bread is or can be. And Right, right. Like I want to help bread realize that gentrification, that coffee and chocolate mm. has realized, you know, mm-hmm. because when I was a kid, like you go into the gas station to get coffee and it was like sludge. And uh-huh. now you can get a pretty decent cup of coffee in any gas station. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I don't expect to be able to go and get, you know, a 30 hour fermented loaf of sourdough bread at the gas station. <laughs> but you can see that there's a need for, making a bread more accessible to, to more people, you know, and that doesn't even begin to get into the grain economy and all of that. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of maybe where I wanted to take the conversation next was, you know, the, the, yeah, the local grain economy, part of the equation for you. And I guess maybe in that vision you just laid out, um, you talked about Guilford mill and and Lindley, Lindley mill, um, being local to your area Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, so maybe, can you tell us maybe briefly a little bit more about that specific situation or relationship that you have with your sure. uh, local mill? Yeah, well, to be honest, it was kind of, it was finding the mill was one of the things that encouraged me to start the company because it it felt so great to just be part of their story, you know, and to weekly go out there. I mean, the, the it's a stone building that has, I mean, it, it doesn't even have windows in some of <laughs> And the miller, like you go there in the winter and she's all bundled up around the mill. Uh, just, and they love me. They don't, they haven't had a, a nerdy baker there. <laughs> and they, you know, I bring them bread and they like, when they mill my commute, they always save me the brand. And it's just this really cool relationship. My kids, like they know what a, what a stone mill is, you know, wow. and they go to it. You know, a what, what a super unique and, and kind of like magical thing to have like yeah. down the street i mean i I've, I've geeked out on kind of the history of of you know flour and grain growing out here and you know maybe like a hundred years ago before you know now it's all like irrigated agriculture here in the central valley but you know it's all you know walnuts and almonds and and stuff like that but right. before then you know before it was irrigated it was all wheat you know and oh, we had no. mills and and we had uh you know, lots of grain production at every in every town, you know, or every big sure. city around the valley. And now, you know, that's all gone, you know, and nothing, right. hardly anything's left out here. And, uh, and so, yeah, to have something so historical and oh. something that's been going for so long down the street, that's got to be such a Yeah, yeah. A and fun... then they turn out, the people themselves turn out to be super amazing and uh, it's been really, really great working with them. And then they they connected me with Lindley Mills too, which and they're they're just fantastic. They're their roller milled white flour, their 14% uh, bread flour is it's the cornerstone of my business. I mean, I would be SOL without that flour. I mean, you like put it out in the rain and it coagulates into a piece of bread, you know. <laughs> very, very strong, dependable, consistent mm. flour. And they use a, a really proprietary um, a cold milling process. That it just—it's just a really, really good flour. Um, but then all of the the whole grain they mill uh, there at, at Old Guilford Mill, and it's so cool to be like 
you know, order it. And then like, I can go watch it be milled. Wow. And I I can, um, if I want it to be more coarse, they'll make it more coarse. And like I said, they saved the brand and they didn't even really know about einkorn until I, I like, Hey, can you guys get einkorn? And I'm like, what's einkorn? And, um, they start putting <laughs> that in and milling it for me too. And they, it, it was cool to see them say like, wow, this stuff mills differently. And wow. it's, you know, cool to grow, like help them grow their mm. 250 year old business or whatever. And, and here I am at year two or whatever, but, um, what yes. a special relationship that sounds like. And it really is. You know, I, I, I got my hands on a like a Como mill, Como bio mill. And uh, but, I mean, that's that's like just out of necessity for me because I can't get my hands on on fresh whole grain, oh. you know, stone milled out here. That's um, true. I would have to drive a couple hours at least, you know, to get my hands on that. And it'd be very yeah. expensive and. So yeah, what a what a great opportunity for you. Yeah, it really has been special. Well, um, we are you know already over the hour that I I, I promised you I'd, I'd get out of your uh, your hair, but these conversations always get get uh, good, and I don't want to cut them short. Um, I had yeah. one other question from uh, Humble Bakehouse. This guy out here in Martinez, you might know him. What up, Justin? <laughs> he says he yeah, wants to know on a scale of one to ten, how real is your bromance with uh, Humble Bakehouse? Oh, eleven. Eleven. <laughs> yeah, another another stay at home dad, uh, cottage baker, former guest. Um, Justin's a real deal, man. He um, when we started rapping, it was like I had known him my whole life. And he, it's like having a bro, like a real brother and that we give each other shit and we, <laughs> we don't, don't let each other, um, we keep each other accountable. And then there's been, we both had some kind of dark times with our kids and mm. the whole process and just, you know, having that camaraderie of just, you know, having someone to just say, holy crap that sounds terrible yeah you know, yeah that gets it um has been has been huge and just he in particular has so much love to put out there that he really does man he's he's uh such a good guy like as far as encouragement and and just yeah. connecting with you so shooting you messages you know yeah he's i've had he's the same a, similar experience he's a he's he's a a better friend online than I have ever been in person. (laughs) So, so good at, at being a friend that I've made some, I've made some really profound connections on, on Instagram. Uh, And I, I, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful for that platform. I mean, say what you will about the evils of social media and, and, and uh, iPhone addiction and, and whatever, my entire social circle is online. Um, certainly um, a bright spot i think in that conversation (laughs) exactly that's a great way to put it and i don't think even instagram could have known the potential that you know it's such a good fit for bread bakers and craftspeople in particular that um there's no way they could have known what what it was going to become but like it has connected me in a way with people that i never thought possible you know and not only 
on a personal level, like with guys like Justin, but like, I think, you know, you had Adam on, on the show and Adam was a huge catalyst for me to start bread service and, and be a, a, a stay at home dad, baker, community, you know, sourced baker, so to speak. And one day I said, you know what, I'm just going to message him and tell him that. <laughs> he was like, cool. Thanks, mate. And I was like, this is so cool yeah. that we live in this kind of environment where, mm-hmm. and, and Trevor J. Wilson, he's, you know, he's a little more reclusive now than he was back in the day, but he like, if you had a bread question, you throw it up there and he would answer it. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I've yet to find another community or no, hear about one that's that open and willing to share and, in you know able to connect with just like through a couple clicks i think it's the eating aspect of it you know i think it's that we're we're making something that nourishes us to make it and then it nourishes the receiver to to have it and it's you're providing for a human need in a thoughtful way that i think it strikes a chord with any human mm. Yeah. Well, and that was a part of my conversation with uh, Arturo and Anna. I think maybe that's partly to do with the the type of people that are are attracted to bread versus, uh, or, you know, cottage industry versus like a restaurant industry. Just, again, that willingness to like share information and wisdom and and not kind of hoard it or, or, you know, or like say, yeah, you got to figure it out on your own. That's how I did it, you know. and. Seems to be a, a a trend or a, a theme. Um, well, you know we, we're uh, at the end of our time here, Jeff. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about ways people can connect with you. I know you're not quite back uh, to bacon full time, but um, tell me, tell us again when you're when you're hoping to get back out in the market. And sure. Do- yeah, I'm hoping uh, to be bacon for subscribers here in the next week or so, and then. When I reboot that, I'll probably reboot my wholesale account on Fridays because that's just a bread drop. Um, but to be honest, I'm going to let this coronavirus thing play out a little bit before I decide uh, when we're going to go back to the market. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sad to say that that's the state mm-hmm. we're in. Yeah. But with the kids, I, I have the luxury of being as safe as possible with that. So I'm going to say thank you to the universe and, and just take the time. And to be honest, you know, I saw my doctor this morning and he said, yeah, you could work 15 hours of bacon bread all day, but I don't want you to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's a good opportunity to, for the first time in my life to listen to my doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure your community wants you to get back to it and be healthy and, and at hundred percent. So, you know, it's worth a little more time to get there probably. Sure. I'll encourage anyone that's, that's listening to this, that, you know, wants to reach out to me on, on Instagram or whatever. Like I love, I just love connecting with people all over the world. And I've made some great friends that I, I hope to meet in person one day, but you know, it's, I regularly converse with people in, in Latvia and Italy and Australia. So and cool. Yeah. All over the States. And you know, it even better than I do. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not the best, uh, at socializing in person, I'm kind of <laughs> but when it's on my own terms and I can, you know, uh, uh and have it on my own terms, I think it, it, uh, it's been great. So I would encourage anyone if they want to say what's up or they have a yeah. question what I'm doing, definitely. Well, I saw also maybe another opportunity to connect with you, you and, um, 
Justin are going to the Bread Asheville Bread Fest. Is that yeah, right? Bread Fest is coming up, and if you are at all in the bread community, uh, certainly look into it. It is the most accessible bread event in the U.S. Uh, even the the, the uh, Bread Bakers Guild events end up being several hundred dollars, and uh, most of the events at, at Bread Fest are hundred bucks or less. And um, I've met. Uh, I, last year when I went, I, I had the hopes of just, oh, maybe, oh, maybe on the, on the slight chance I'll meet Peter Reinhardt. He was the first person I met when I walked through the front door. And like, <laughs> wow. I was talking to him. I could see standing behind him. I saw Sarah Owens. I saw um, oh, so Emily, cool. who you had on the show, Bueller. I got uh-huh. to buy and sign my book. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a, that's a great, great event. And if you can, if you can get your way out there, even if you just like eating bread, uh, it's it's exceptional. But if you're a professional, there's nothing more valuable than being in the same space with hundreds of other bakers uh-huh. and just connecting with people that are are struggling uh, with the same things you are, and then uh, can inspire you uh, to see to see what's next. You know. Mm your business. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's a, a very, uh, it's an invaluable resource to the community. Uh, but it's also, I mean, if you've never been to Asheville, North Carolina, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh yeah, it is mm-hmm. very, very much so. Well, Jeff, uh, I'll let you get back to the rest of your birthday. Um, oh, thanks, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me and sharing your journey and, and in, in really just being uh, an amazing part of our community and, and being so willing to share your experiences and wisdom with everybody. Um, you're, you're what makes our community so special. So thank you thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Mike. And it's, I, I'll thank you again for, for just having the, I mean, the courage to, to ring these people up and say, Hey, I want to talk to awesome sourdough people. I mean, I'll never forget listening to Don Guerra and being like, it was so life affirming <laughs> to know that there's people out there even more fanatical than I. Am. <laughs> yeah, and you're putting this all together, and, and it's just it's really special what you're doing. So keep at it, man. Thank you. Well, thank you, thank you very much. And it's uh, yeah, I kept myself very lucky to be able to talk with you guys. So I can't see what can't wait to see what you come up with the the Cottage Bakery too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, wish me luck there. I, I definitely need all the help I can get. But like I said, I got such amazing resources uh through you guys and in these interviews like i feel like i'm very lucky in in a unique position to like you are yeah yeah and definitely lean on us well something that i i'm i'll offer to you and i've done for several people is i have like all of this like paperwork stuff it's like my welcome email and like um you know, the, the production sheet that I sent the, the health department that like outlines my mm. production flow and like all this stuff, like I'm just going to send it to you and wow. you can look through it and use like I, I, someone I sent it to literally cut and pasted like all of their stuff into my email and that's what they use. But just to give you some perspective on like how we do our subscription. Yeah. Those are all the things, like you said, you could write a book about it, but there's, there's so much like, how do I do this? What, what, how do I connect with that's here? Or what's the best strategy for this? So yeah, that would be valuable. Yeah. And what I'm not doing probably won't exactly fit, but you can, you know, use bits and bobs of it. Um, and it's, it's, um, 
it's fairly comprehensive and you don't have to worry about your inspection. So mm. I, I won't uh, inundate you with that kind of stuff, but um, well, maybe, maybe we could talk about it um, off air and maybe that's something we could throw up on yeah. the website and, and uh, share with everybody. Sure. And you know, the more I talk about it, it's not a, maybe it's not a book. And if it is a book, it's not written by me. It's all of us writing it, you know, totally. there's some, like there's something out there. There's something special going on with the cottage baker community mm. and everything that you've talked about with us sharing it. And we have to harness that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. I don't know how, but yeah. let's keep talking about it until it happens. <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks Jeff. And uh, thanks for uh, talking with me today. And uh, we'll we'll catch up um, on Instagram. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. If you feel like you've been inspired by the Sourdough Podcast, please consider supporting it by visiting thesourdoughpodcast.com and clicking on the donate button in the top right corner. Another way to help the podcast grow is by being sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Additionally, another easy thing you could do is to take a screenshot right now. I even give you permission to pause the podcast. So go ahead and share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me. I love resharing your posts. And of course, it's super helpful in sharing the podcast with others. When I had friends before, it'd be just like me. We might look just like each other from the head down to our knees. Now that I am getting older, I feel more alone. I often sit and wonder where those friends have gone. Some